Well, we're on a series about prayer called Pray for a Change. Everybody say, Pray for a Change. And again, you can pray that something will change, something to be different. You can also, you should also uh, pray uh, instead of, pray for a change, pray instead of some of the other things you've been, been doing instead of prayer. We'll look at that in just a moment. Let's pick up in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And this is from the New Living Translation. And uh, follow this real carefully because I'm going to have you involved in this in just a moment here. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Would you read that with me? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let's, Let's do it one more time. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let's pray, let's pray for a change. Now, here's what a lot of people do. They don't pray about anything. And instead, they worry about everything. And so what we're trying to do is get you to pray for a change instead of worrying or all the other freaky stuff that you do sometimes because you're not praying. So let me continue with this passage. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's good stuff. Listen to it in the message paraphrase. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Watch this. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Get that. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Get this. He displaces it. He takes the place of the worry. I think Christ at the center is way better than worry at the center of your life. And it happens not just because it's a a beautiful day in central Florida. It happens because we pray, because we connect with God through this wonderful, powerful privilege that we have called prayer. And so we want us to pray that things will change, pray instead of worry, panic, the other things that that we do. We've talked about you need to be proactive in prayer. My biggest thing is this, is that you would be active in prayer, active in prayer. And then you will find yourself having to be reactive in prayer. That means, hey, we're dealing with something here. Something's happened, something's here. And you have to react to that in prayer. If If you're understanding, Bob... Bob your head, do something. Okay. And then you also, and this is what I really want to encourage you toward, is to be proactive in prayer. Don't just live your life, well, let's see how this goes. I mean, get out there. Let prayer prepare your future, your kids, your business, your health. I mean, all kinds of things. Just get out a a trip you're going to go on. Be praying about that. Don't just, well, we'll just see what happens. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Let connect with God and get out ahead of things. Be proactive in prayer. And above all things, do not pray weak prayers. Don't pray weak prayers. I mean, lean into this a little bit. We've talked about 
that in the previous weeks. My assignment for this, I hope you know this and I want to make it very clear. I'm very clear on it. My assignment in this series is to get you praying, is to get you praying, that you would be a people that are prepared, a people that are ready. We don't know what all will happen, you know, in the next week, the next years, the rest of your life. We don't know. We don't know what things will come on the earth. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to prepare you that no matter what comes on the earth, that you are prepared because you're people that know how to pray. And if you're not involved in prayer, you're not sure about prayer, let me just go ahead and tell you, you are not, you are not prepared. You know, if this is punt, pass, and kick, and you can't kick, you can't pass, you're not ready. You know, and there's some things that, that, that actually are skills. They're learned things. You can improve in this. And, and everybody should be a person that prays. It needs to be part of your life. So my goal, my assignment is to get you praying. And you're going to cooperate with that, right? Amen. All right. Now, here's the deal. If, if we'll do this right, you'll have more peace in your life and less panic in your life. Okay, I see the people that are for that, okay? More peace, less panic, okay? Let me talk about panic just for a moment. In our day, more than ever before, people deal with panic and anxiety. And we're going to focus in on a little, this a little bit today. What panic is, is a, is a sudden sensation. It's just kind of this overwhelming now, uh, sudden sensation of fear. And, and if that weren't bad enough, here's what it does. Because of the way it affects even your system, it goes through your soul and so forth. It blocks your ability to reason. It blocks your ability to be rational or logical. And so we tend to be then just this bad, uh, bad wad of emotion all of a sudden. And here's the deal. Because it blocks our ability to think and reason and figure out what do I need to do then the fear just continues and escalates and that's you find people in cycles of panic and anxiety attack and that, that type of thing. And what we want to do today is see how prayer can be a prescription for that. Prayer can be the antidote for this. And I fully believe, I fully believe that you can have a greater measure of peace and you can have less panic in your life. But prayer is going to be a key in this. You ready? All right. Y'all, I'm going to get car wash lady up here. Um, Y'all think I'm teasing. All right. Uh, In Matthew 26, we find uh, an account, and this is where I was reading this this week for this. Uh, The disciples and Jesus had had the Last Supper. um, And then they left. They sang a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And there's a place in the Mount of Olives called Gethsemane, which means press or oil press. And that's pretty good uh, verbal imagery for what's going to happen there. And we know the Garden of Gethsemane as being a place where Jesus agonized in prayer. And so here's Jesus praying and he's got the disciples with him. And he asked three of them to come along a little further with him. He says, I'm going to pray. I've got to pray. And he says, I want you guys to wait here while I pray. He took three of them to go a little bit further with him. And then he went on to pray, assuming that these guys would pray. He comes back in a little bit and these guys are what? Snoozing. In the Greek, it's snoozing. No, it's not. Uh, But they're sleeping. And so he says, I don't get it. He says, you couldn't stay with me just a little bit? 
just a little bit. You know what I'm, what I'm about to deal with here, here, or at least I've tried to tell you. Could you not stay with me just an hour? And, and then he makes this important verse, and this is what we're going to spend our time on this morning. It's Matthew 26, verse 41. He says, watch and pray. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're going to look at some things about this that we look at every so often. It's important that we look at. How many of you know that my job is not every week to bring to you something you've never heard before? How many of you have sent, how many of you have had at least two glasses of water since New Year's? Okay, do you get my point? There's some things that you've got to have regular in your life because of the importance of them. So he says you've got to watch and pray. Now, this is pivotal what's going on right here because this is the countdown to the cross. This is the countdown to our redemption. It's the plan of God, but it's going to involve intense anguish and distress. Jesus is about to take on the sins of the world. And, and you know this about sin. Everything about sin is, is, is gross and corruptive and foul and heavy, and taints, and ruins, whatever it touches. And Jesus is about to take on all of our sins. Second Corinthians says that he became sin for us. He took it on himself, Isaiah said. And then he's also, as a result of that, that there's a means to an end here. He's also about to absorb the wrath of God for the sins of all mankind. He is becoming the sacrificial lamb. He will take and pay the price that you and I owed. Are 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 y'all getting this? This is massive what's about to happen. And he not only is is concerned and aware of the the physical trauma and suffering that he'll go through through the, the crucifixion. The emotional humiliation and draining that will happen. The crushing of a person in every way through the crucifixion. But beyond that, again, he's mindful of this. He's about to absorb the wrath of God for the sins of the whole world. And here's the deal. And he's never sinned. And so this, the distress and the pressure of this is just beyond what any of us can even imagine. The scripture says in in, uh, verse 37 and 38, he was sorrowful and deeply distressed. He was crushed with grief. Luke says that sweat fell like blood pouring to the ground. And whether or not that was literal or that's a metaphor, he he is under incredible, incredible pressure at this point. And now all of this is is going on and now a mob shows up. Y'all with me this morning? Make sure you're with me. You don't want to miss today. This mob shows up with clubs and torches and swords and Judas Iscariot, who is the betrayer of Jesus, and they seize Jesus and they forcibly take him away. Now, get with me on this. Let's look at what's going on here. And you've got the disciples and the disciples in this moment, here's what they do. They freak out. Ah, freak out. <laughs> the disciples in that moment come undone. They panic. One of them cuts a guy's ear off. And like roaches, they run and hide in the dark. Jesus, on the other hand, 
carries himself and handles himself with dignity and stays on the plan of God. The difference, Jesus prayed and the disciples slept. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Jesus prayed and the disciples slept. And that's the difference for us. Listen, you and I are never going to go through anything nearly as intense as what Jesus faced during that time. We're not even going to come close. But the instructions that he gave them in verse 41, I think we would do well to heed in our life. If it would handle such an intense situation as that, I think it will help in your deal, your situation, whatever would come down your road. And what he's saying is this, watch and pray. Everybody say it. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Your spirit is indeed willing, but your flesh is weak. And we're going to have to acknowledge that and deal with that uh, here this morning. That's the difference. So the reality is we've got a condition. We've got a tension that exists between willingness of spirit and weakness of flesh. Willingness of spirit and weakness of flesh. The spirit is willing. Everybody say the spirit is willing. Now you're you're about to discover something about yourself and about all mankind here in just a moment here. The spirit is willing. The spirit wants right. Your spirit, and, and let me remind you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, will, intellect, emotion, subconscious, and you live in a body. And so your spirit... That's the part of you that's connected with God. That's the part of you that lives on forever. Your spirit, as a believer, is willing. It's willing. Wants to do right. Has good and right intentions. The flesh is weak. Everybody say, my flesh is weak. Okay, and a lot of people say, well, you know what? You know, I don't even try anymore because my flesh is weak. You've now allowed your flesh to be strong in the wrong way. But your flesh, I don't think, just has to do with your skin, your muscles, your tendons, and your guts. Okay? I don't think that's, that's what all it is. I think it is your fleshly nature. It's a matter of, of this body, and it's a matter of your soul, the parts that are not renewed. And you know what? While your spirit is willing, your flesh is weak. While your spirit wants to do right, has good and right intentions, your flesh lacks the moral stamina and endurance to do that. Your, your flesh is just unable to carry out these intentions. In Matthew 26, verse 41, in the message paraphrase, it says this, Stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you, say there's a part of me, there's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part of you, say there's another part, there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. Ain't it true? This is, this is the deal. We have, we have to acknowledge this, that our spirit is willing and our flesh is weak. And it's rare that I'm going to give you an absolute, you know, it's, it's rare that I'm going to give you, hey, this is the thing, but, but look at me for this because I believe this. I think this is our biggest problem. I think this is our biggest problem. That our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. I think this explains you. I think this explains all of us. 
And what do we do about this, though? Do we just live with good intentions and then we crash and burn? And a lot of people, that's the pattern of their life. I have good intentions, Jesus. I'm going to try harder and tell everybody else what you're going to do. And we got these great intentions and crash and burn. Good intentions and crash and burn. And we get to a place where we're even cynical of ourselves trying again. And the enemy loves it that way. And what we've got to do is find an answer for this. And I want to tell you that the answer is found in prayer. And we'll develop that out in just a moment here. This is our main problem. I think this explains a lot of things. This explains other people. You know, and, and listen to me. Are y'all, are y'all awake and alive? No? Okay. Um, sometimes we watch other people. Do you watch other people? Lion. How many of you know you watch other people? You watch, you watch their life. You watch, okay, but here's the thing. Reserve comment, okay, and reserve judgment. Because here's what you do. You watch other people and you go, I'm going to tell you what their problem is. <laughs> they might be willing in spirit, but their flesh is weak. Well, here's the answer to it, and we'll develop it a little more, is to pray. Jesus said, watch and pray because spirit is indeed willing, flesh is weak. So we're going to have to pray. But don't you judge other people and say, you know, their spirit might be willing, but their flesh is weak. And I'm telling you what, they are not praying. And listen, it will be obvious. That will be obvious, but it's not up for you or I to comment on. Because the only dude or dudette that you've got to get across the finish line is you. Is you. And we can help other people. Are you hearing me? We can help other people, but it's important that we don't judge other people and be so quick to comment on other people. I'll tell you what the problem is. Yeah, it's obvious to all, but the thing is, what are you going to do about you so that you can be strong enough to actually help somebody? So Peter, in this whole setting here, Peter is an interesting study, and Peter is sincere and I believe he's emphatic. We go back to the Last Supper, okay, before they're out in the, uh, in the Mount of Olives to pray. And beautiful restaurant, five-star restaurant. They've got a harp player. They've got salad bar. It's, it's amazing. Months out, you've got to get a reservation. How many of you know I'm lying? Okay, but some of y'all have to do stuff to keep you up here, okay? All right. Uh, it was not that way. But they had this Last Supper. You've seen all the pictures from it, the paintings, the portraits, and all. And during that time, Jesus begins to uh, remind them of things he'd been telling them about what is about to go down. And Peter reacts to all of this. And I believe he's totally sincere. Uh, Jesus talked about people that would leave him. He said, Lord, I would never leave you. I would never desert you. Everybody else might, but you can count on me. I will be there for you. And then Jesus talks about uh, one of you here is going to deny me. And Jesus like, well, hold on. Let's just record straight. It is not me. You know, somebody else might deny you, but I would die before I would deny you. Fast forward just a few hours. And we've got Peter overreacting. Peter in panic. Peter is the guy who cut the ears off. Peter deserted Jesus and the crew. Peter ran and hid. It was him who followed at a distance. It was him who denied that he even knew Jesus and even cursed a little bit with it to make sure that He was acting really tough about it. See, I don't go to church. I cuss, you know, I don't follow Jesus. And three times that he, that he did this. 
And I will tell you about Peter because we're quick to jump on Peter. But here's, here's the deal. His spirit was willing. I fully believe he was sincere. I think when he pounded on the table probably or stood at that last supper, he said, hey, everybody else might walk away. I will not walk away from you. Somebody else might deny you. I, I would die before I would deny you. What was that? His spirit was willing. But his flesh was weak. Follow this. Spirit was willing. His flesh was weak. And he did not pray. So the outcome is predictable. Let me tell you about you. I believe you're sincere. I think your spirit is willing. I I think you want to. But your flesh is weak. And if you don't pray, your outcome's predictable too. Every one of us. You'll thank me later, but I just explained you to you. But here's the deal. What makes the difference? I've got to pray. I've got to pray. But look at me. But prayer's not what you need. Prayer's not what... Okay, pastor, I'm confused. You said your assignment was to get us to pray. You said the thing we need to do is pray. My spirit is willing. My flesh is weak. I need to pray. And now you're telling me that prayer's not what I need. Exactly. Stay with me. Prayer is not what you need. God is what you need. And prayer connects you with God. Okay? Now I want to make sure you get this. Prayer is not what you need. God is what you need. And prayer connects you with God. If I don't tell you that today, you're going to walk out of here and you go, I know, I'm supposed to pray. Come on, we've got to pray. And you know what you'll be under? Religious obligation. And when you're under religious obligation, it's because it makes sense. Okay, my spirit's willing. We need to do this. But you know what? It it is not going to work for you. This is about how long you'll consistently pray if you're under religious obligation. (laughs) Be just these little short fits and starts, fits and starts. I know we should. Here we go. And and you know what? It's going to continue again. Spirit willing, flesh weak. Spirit willing, flesh weak. The other thing is this. When you're under religious obligation, there's no joy in it. And when there's no joy, there's no strength to it. There's nothing that makes you want to, want to stay with it. So I'm not telling you that you need prayer. Prayer's not what you need. God's what you need. God's what you need. And prayer connects you with God. And so with that, there's joy. There's joy in this. Because now you connect with God. He's what you need. He's the one He will give you what you need to make the difference, to make up that gap between weakness of, uh, excuse me, willingness of spirit and weakness of flesh. Amen. Now, watch and pray. Tell your neighbor, watch and pray. If you watch without praying, you're going to worry. Do you hear me? If you watch without praying, you're going to worry. Look around at our world. How many of you know things are kind of coming unglued? And you watch the news a little bit, you know, you're going to worry. If you watch and you don't pray, you're going to worry. If you pray but you don't watch, you're going to have some out-of-touch religious prayers. You know, because you've got just these little things that you do by rote. And you're not looking at the needs, the hurts, the situations, the the great plans, the things that would be around you that you need to connect with in prayer. You've got to watch and pray. Say it again. Watch and pray. In Colossians chapter 4, 
The Apostle Paul writes, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. You know what he's saying? Watch and pray. Listen to it in the Amplified Bible. Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. And the, this points to, this all leans to the fact that when you're praying, y'all with me? That when you're praying, when you watch and pray, there's this vigilance, there's this watchfulness in it. This will help your prayers to be energized. Notice also said with thanksgiving. That means that you're aware prayer works. You're aware of what God has done for you. You're aware that what he might be doing and what you're aware of that he's doing for you and what he's able to do and what you're trusting him to do. And faith says, thank you. And so you lace that through prayer. But here's the other thing. You're being watchful in it. You're being vigilant in prayer. You got to, again, don't pray weak prayers. This, This keeps you from the sleepy, sloppy, tepid, mindless prayers that you're watchful, that you get in there. And listen, too much, too much is hanging on this. You've got situations. You've got issues. You've got things you don't even know about yet. You need to watch and pray. You can have the best of intentions, but you've got to have something to cover that gap because of the weakness of your flesh and because of the days that we live in. And prayer will connect you with God to help you with that. Watch and pray. There's so much going on in life, in your life, and down the street and across the world that we've got to watch and pray. It gives you an active prayer life. It keeps you alert in prayer. And it gives you... It gives you the, the gap filler, the bridge. It, it builds the bridge again between that tension, between that weakness and that willingness that you would have. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this again, and then I want to wrap this up this morning. My job, my assignment for you is to get you praying. It's to get you praying. Why do I need to pray? Not under religious obligation, because it connects you with God. And God will make the difference here because I'm going to tell you again. I know I've told you about it. This is what I want you to to learn. It's been said that one of the ways to teach is this. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them and then tell them what you told them. And that's kind of what I'm doing today here. You have to know this about you, that you have wonderful intentions. You have willingness of spirit, but you have weakness of flesh. And that's why you and I must pray. We must watch and pray. Let me close with this quote. I posted this this week. I wish I'd made it up, but I read it and I love it. It says this, Daniel chose rather to spend the night in a lion's den than to go through the day without prayer. Daniel chose rather to spend the night in a lion's den than to go the day without prayer. And you know what? Daniel, they threatened him. They said, you stop all this praying and we're going to throw you in the lion's den. And in essence, he said, throw me. And they threw him in the lions ate him. No, they didn't. The God he prayed to delivered him. Shut their mouths. And delivered him. And he said, you know what? I, I'd rather take my chances with a lion's den than to take my chances not praying. And you're better off to pray. Listen, church, pray for a change. Pray for a change. Prayer works. It's not hard. It does take some effort. It does, it does require some consistency. But this is not a hard thing. It's a user-friendly thing that God has set up. 
And you and I are going to be better off. Way more peace. Way less panic. If you will watch and pray. Pray for a change. Did y'all get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord.